Acts 2, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every other nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia in Pamphylia, Egypt in the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, and you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make you enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. 
With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching into fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Hello. It is good to be, I was going to say back, but we're not really back. Um, it's good to be together. It's good to see faces. It's good to see people. For the last few months, we've been talking to camera lenses, and that's worked, and that's served us, and I'm grateful that, that that exists. I'm so grateful that we have the means to connect with those in the field and those online today, but it's nice to kind of come back together. Um, the passage that we've just heard read to us. There's a lot going on. I'm going to explore a few parts of it briefly. And there's a, a game in the pack for young people that you may have noticed. Uh, I'm going to give you a little reminder. How many times do you hear words from that passage being said by what I'm about to say? That's what you've got to count. That's what you've got to look for. There is a prize. I don't know if it's a brand new iPad or a trip to Disney. Um, I didn't organize the prize. I probably set the bar a little bit too high. No, it's not. Um, but listen along, so it'll be good. Uh, a few weeks ago, there was this beginning where we could go back to shops. Let me just see who, who was fairly swift in, in going to a shop. Quite, quite a few people. Um, I was also, we, we had a number of items that we needed to get. And I went to TJ Maxx and I turned up and had to stand in a line to get in. Anyone else have that vibe? And it was, it was almost like watching animals kind of reemerge after hibernation. There was this, people were cautious and, and coming back, but there was this great sense of urgency and excitement to buy um, discounted candles and quilts and sheets and other household items that apparently we were absolutely desperate for. And as I walked around the shop, you could see this kind of cautiousness, which is a good thing, but also slightly strange when people are, are sniffing Yankee candles wearing a mask. Um, it's quite a weird idea. But we find ourselves at the moment reforming and working out what does it look like and how do we do this? And the church is, is in that too. But we have the confidence that God knows. He's got good plans. He's got good ideas. And as I've been reading and studying Acts, it feels like there's so many answers to what we need now. So we've just heard Acts 2 read to us. I'll give you some context that passage is about seven weeks after the death and resurrection of Jesus. The church in its early stages is fragile. It's uncertain. They don't know what they're going to do. And there's this moment where Jesus just tells them to wait. And many of us at the moment are kind of tired of waiting. And COVID is getting old. And I imagine for them there is this sense of well, what are we waiting for and what happens when? And then we get to Acts 2 and it is this passage that begins when they were together and God breathed the Holy Spirit. And that is this moment of ignition where so much begins. And I want to just look at this. 
It begins that they're all together uh, and they don't know what God's going to do. But there is this expectation and this hunger. I want to encourage you, not knowing how you found the last four months. For some people, they've probably prayed more and for some, they've probably prayed less. I want to encourage you to stir the hunger that we would come to God and say, God, breathe your life afresh on me. I love that. It talks about the fact that there's this wind. In the Acts 2 passage, it describes it almost like a violent wind, this strong wind. And the Holy Spirit is often explained as wind or breath. And in this passage, it's a strong, violent wind. My family and I like to fly a kite. And we've got this kite. And for me, this is quite a good picture of the church. In the, the kite on its own, it doesn't matter how good the kite is, the kite on, it, on its own can't fly. It needs the wind. Josh had a great analogy with a balloon. The balloon without the wind is just a kind of shriveled piece of rubber. But when there's wind inside it, it brings it to life. And the kite, when there's wind, the kite flies and it soars and it's majestic and it's beautiful. And in many ways, we are like a kite in that without the breath of the Holy Spirit, we're just a, a shell. And as a church, as a group of people, without the breath of the Holy Spirit, we're just a shell. We're just, we're just kind of in existence, but there's no life, there's no energy. This passage tells the story of what happens when the Spirit blows and breathes life. The tongues of fire. I love fire. I love sitting around a fire of an evening. If many of you have got fire pits or something like that, sitting by a fire or in the winter looking at a fire, if you've ever looked through the ashes of a fire that's gone out a day or two later, sometimes you'll find some nails or something, depending on what you were burning, if you were burning pallets or untreated wood. Sometimes you'll find bits and pieces. Fire destroys everything else. And for me, when I imagine the idea of fire, I consider the fact that there's elements of my life where I continually need God to burn through them. And we've all got junk. We've all got junk in our lives. We all need to have those moments where we say, Father, for forgive me. Help me to start fresh. And for someone who's never prayed that, that's where we begin. We begin by recognizing we've all got junk. And Lord, may your fire burn through and get rid of the stuff in our lives that's not meant to be there. So there is this wind, this breath of life, and this fire that burns through us. There's this moment where it says that they're filled with the Spirit. And in the passage that Kayla read, there is a line where it talks about being poured out. When I consider being poured out, if you've poured something out, like some water, it spills and it has an effect. And God is generous. So it can be poured out a little or it can be poured out a lot. A few weeks ago, um, it was a nice sunny day, and Sarah and the girls were speaking to some of our neighbors outside the apartment, and I walked in to the apartment, and as I closed the door, I, I put my foot into something. I thought, that feels strange. And I took another step, and I thought, oh, maybe the floor's wet because someone's cleaned, cleaned the floor, mopped the floor, and, and it's not dried. And then I realized that, wait a minute, I'm standing in an inch, maybe two inches of water. This is quite a lot. 
And what's that noise? I can hear this strange sound coming from the kitchen area. Uh, I'm thinking, what is that noise? And I, I paused for a moment, which was not a good idea. And then it dawned on me that the tap was running. Um, what do you call it? The f faucet. How do you faucet. That was running. And water was coming out. And it was flowing over the sink. And it had flooded the whole space. Um, when I think about the Holy Spirit being poured out, God is generous. He can offer us a little, or he can offer us a flood. He can offer us a lot. What does this look like? This passage has got these incredible pictures of fire and wind and being poured out. But what does it look like? I want to look at two elements, and then I want to pray for some people. In verse 17, it says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit, and I believe that God wants to pour it out generously, on all people. This sense that there is no one that is excluded. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. There is no favoritism in regard to gender. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm not going to draw a line to see which side of that fence that some of us would fall. On my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And to prophesy means to hear what God is saying and to proclaim it. And if you read on, that's exactly what they do. I will show wonders in heavens and signs on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And some people look at that mysterious passage and say, that sounds like what happened seven weeks earlier in the middle of a Friday afternoon where Jesus was on the cross. There was this darkness and there was this moment in the day where God was doing something remarkable. And here we see a repeat of it again. Before the coming and the great glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This pouring out, this stirring, this new beginning isn't just so we can have a better Christian experience, but it's so that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In that passage earlier, there were many different tongues and languages and cultures, but they all heard the good news of Jesus. And this prophesying is the proclaiming of who God is and what he is doing in the world. And the stirring and the birth of the church is that that would happen again that we would proclaim who God is and what he is doing in the world. And the passage ends with this promise of fruitfulness. And the Lord added to their daily, their number daily, those who are being saved. This passage with, has a promise that it is God's will that you would be fruitful. It is God's will that you would succeed. It is God's will that God's kingdom would come in your life and around your life. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose. That is God's hope. That is why the Spirit is poured out. And for us as a church, it's God's will that God's kingdom would come. It's God's will that his name would be proclaimed. It's God's will that people would be added to our number daily. Not because we have goals and because numbers are important, but because we're meant to be fruitful. It is God's plan and pleasure that we would be fruitful. A few months ago, we rented a community garden, and uh, I'm amazed how much um, weeds grow and how much other things grow. And someone made the comment to me about the corn, that it needs to be knee-high by the 4th of July. And when it went in the ground, I was like, I don't know if that's going to happen. That's not that far away. And sure enough, it's really, it's really high. 
And as I was considering that, we were there yesterday. It's God's plan that fruit would be upon the earth. It's God's plan that we would be fruitful. It's not God's plan that we, that we would suffer and struggle. Now, we do at times because life isn't easy, but God is with us, and the Holy Spirit is poured out to bring new life. So to bring this together, as we work out what happens next and as we navigate these times, it is God's plan that the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all of us and that from that place, new beginnings would emerge. New framework would take shape. And it's for everyone. It's for the young. It's for the old. In a moment, I want to pray for people here and I want to pray for the nation. Uh, it's a fitting weekend to do that. I want to pray for people individually, but I want to pray for the nation corporately. So why don't we stand? Let's pray for the nation first. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this country, for the blessing in both its soil and its people. Thank you for the fingerprints of God that we see in this place, in the landscapes, the mountains, the deserts, and the oceans. Thank you for the welcome this country has given to many, myself 18 months ago, and for the many welcomes given throughout the centuries. And this year, when we celebrate 400 years since the pilgrims' arrival, we thank you for the many blessings and homes this land has provided. We consider the words inscribed on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of the teeming shore, send these the homeless tempest to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. We also pause and recognize that 1620 was not the birthplace of America, but the birthplace of modern America. In that vein, we give thanks for the Native Americans for their heritage, their story, and their history. We acknowledge the times when modern settlers treated them badly, and we name the offense, and we repent for the injustice and atrocities against these people. As we consider this flag, we recognize that it is a sign of freedom and that freedom in itself is not free. Thank you for the men and women in uniform who have paid the price for this freedom. We pray your continued blessing on them and their families at this time. And now in this day, in this moment where the nation and the wider world finds itself in times of great uncertainty, we pray for your leadership, for your voice to be known and for your kingdom to come. We pray for wisdom on those who lead and govern. We honor their offices, but we are reminded that ultimately our hope is in you. During this time of racial conflict, we pray for unity. Please help us with listening ears to hear the voices where people have been wronged. Help us to be people that, like the Good Samaritan in Jesus' story, pour healing and hope, sometimes at our own expense, on others' wounds. Lord, we pray for healing in this land where there is division. 
and for a land that builds on its hopes and learns from its past. And ultimately, we know that you are the hope of the world and you are the hope for this country. As we consider this country, the home that has become for many, we read a passage from Ephesians that ultimately points our hope to Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 14 to 16 says this, Our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through the union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repelled by his command. His true in essence has made peace between us starting over, forming one new race of humanity, Jews and non-Jews fused together. Two have become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Lord, that closing sentence of that passage is our ultimate prayer for this nation, that men and women would be restored to relationship with you. Lord, help us to learn, help us to listen, and Lord, help us to see your kingdom come in this land, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please. Please take a seat. I want, I want to pray for some people. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. And I want to pray by grouping as we see in this passage. So let's start with the, with the girls. If you're a girl and you're under 18, please stand. If you're a girl and you're under 18. Let's pray. It's important that we pray for all people, all persons, all generations. So, now girls, if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. You don't need to do anything, but we're going to pray for you. And as that breeze kind of comes across the river, maybe that breeze will remind you of the breath of the Holy Spirit that breathes on us. Father, I pray for these girls. Lord, these young women-to-be. Lord, that they would know and sense the person and presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that they would grow up knowing your love for them, not because of anything that they do, but because of who they are as your daughters. Lord, we pray today for the girls that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Girls, why don't you take a seat? And now boys, boys, if you're under the age of 18, why don't you stand? It's really important that we do this. It's really important that we, that we raise generations that, that, that know the person of the Holy Spirit. So Father, we, we pause as we read this passage and again as the breeze comes across Lord, I pray for the boys, Lord, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. That they would know the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that as they grow into men, that they would know you. Lord, teach them your ways and help them to walk in it. 
Lord, we pray for these boys. Bless them. Fill them. Thanks, boys. Take a seat. Ladies, why don't you stand? Father, thank you for these daughters. Thank you, Lord, that when you look at the ladies in the field and online that are watching, and I'm hoping if you're online, stand, participate. Lord, I pray that you fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for these women, these beautiful daughters of, of God. Lord, may they know you afresh. As we read this passage, may their experience be that the breath of the Spirit fills them. And Lord, may that bring life. Lord, bless them. May they know the person of the Holy Spirit, I pray, afresh. Lord, may this passage not just be an ancient text, but may this be their experience, their story. And Lord, may it flow from them, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you, ladies. Take a seat. Men, please stand. Father for the men Lord they're needed Lord I pray that they would know the person of the Holy Spirit afresh today Lord I pray that the breath of the Spirit would blow on them would fill them like the kite analogy Lord that they would soar that they wouldn't struggle but that they would soar high Lord, yes, that they would be fruitful, but Lord, that they would be fruitful so that the story, the prophecy, which is the word of God, that God is real, he has come and he changes those. Lord, may that be their experience. May the spirit of God fuse them and flow through them and bring change to the situations, the settings and the context they find themselves in. Lord, for any men standing that haven't experienced you in the way that maybe some other stories suggest that they have. Lord, I pray for a new breath of the Spirit on them. Lord, fill them afresh, we pray.